We're journeying through the books of wisdom, the wisdom writings in the scripture. And by the way, my name's Tim. If I don't know you, I see a lot of new faces and, and I preach here a lot. So Tim, okay, so please introduce yourself to me afterwards if you don't know me. Now, we find ourselves in chapter 14 today where we're going to be reading about the simple, the prudent, and the oxen. I kid you not, okay? This is so great. I love this book of Proverbs. Let's start with the simple and the prudent. This is a verse out of Proverbs chapter 14, verse 15. The simple believe anything, but the prudent give thoughts to their steps. You know, sometimes simple is good. If you've ever rented a house um, on Airbnb or VRBO or anything like that. You get into it and you've traveled to get to it. And the first thing you want to do, if you're like me, you unpack your bags and you just want to rest for a little bit. Just maybe check out a game or watch TV. You have to read an instruction manual to figure out even how to turn on the television and use one of the eight remote controls in the house to even watch a basic channel. I miss the days of one remote and only four channels. It was such a simpler time. Our culture is so attracted to simple right now. If you can read it, watch it, post it, like it, or tweet it in 30 seconds, it's good. If it takes longer than that, not so much, all right? We even have ads that promise to make our lives more simple. If you buy this product, your mopping will be more simple. If you buy this product, trimming your beard will be more simple. All of those kind of things. And websites even use the word simple in them to get your attention. I found quite a few. Recipes made simple. Who doesn't want that? Recipes made simple. Meditation made simple. Punctuation made simple, which it's not, okay? Mold illness made simple. I'm not sure I want that to be simple. Quantum entanglement made simple, which it's not. And my favorite, car seats made simple. I'd never do this, but I'm going to show you a short little bit from Kathleen Madigan. She did a stand-up comedy routine called Bothering Jesus. You can watch it later. It's great. But she does one little section on trying to install a car seat for her sister. She doesn't have kids, but her sister does. Just listen to this, and you'll realize why you want car seats made simple. Go ahead. Here's the Thank you. 
you're a woman and you're in a solid car seat, I would highly suggest you put on a sports bra because you're going to get hot. You're going to be so hot. You're going to start inadvertently just tearing off pieces of mother. And if you're not careful, you'll end up like I did in my sister's driveway in my regular bra, just drinking beer, staring off in his face. And normally, very friendly neighbors came home, trying to talk to him, but I don't want to be so weird. She goes on. You can listen to the rest later. We want things to be simple, and they're not sometimes. In our culture, we often think simple is good and prudence is bad, but in the book of Proverbs, it's actually the exact opposite. Simple is bad in the book of Proverbs, and prudence is good. Let me explain, starting with simple. In the book of Proverbs, the simple are the foolish. They're the ones who don't think things through. They rush into situations without even considering the consequences of their actions or their words. Here are some of the attributes of the simple. This is Proverbs chapter 12, verse 16 right here. Fools, or the simple, show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. So there you go, the foolish, the simple people, that is amazing, okay? They show their annoyance easy. They have no filter. They're like me every Monday morning after I have adrenaline let down from preaching. I just no filter whatsoever. It's foolish. Proverbs chapter 132, look at this. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them. I'll just end up there. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. The simple people will do stupid, dangerous stuff that could end up actually physically harming them or even killing them. Look at this picture I came across on the web not too long ago. Look at these dudes, okay? They're thinking, hey, I'm in a hot tub. A few bubbles are good. I want some more. I'll just hook up my mercury outboard motor to that bad boy, okay? We do stupid things when we're simple, when we're foolish, that can actually do us physical harm. But remember, in the wisdom writings, death is not just a physical thing. It's also something else. Death is to be placed on a life path where you're heading somewhere that is less than what God wants for you. It's a life that's less than optimal. It's like you're alive, but you're not fully alive because you're not experiencing all that God wants for you. So you're really the living dead. You zombified your souls. And the simple do things that put them on that path. And then check out Proverbs chapter 14, verse 18. It says this, The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. And that phrase there, inherit folly, means they're encircled with folly. People who are foolish and simple, their lives are a series of unfortunate events. The list goes on, but here's one of the biggest issues 
that happens when you live a life of foolishness or simpleness. You tend to oversimplify complex issues. That's what happens. The simple oversimplify complex issues. Let me give you some examples. The first is parenting. When you're dating, you get all kinds of questions. You get questions like, well, how long have you been dating? Well, when are you going to get married? Where are you going to live? What are you going to do for a living? When are you going to have kids? The questions go on and on and on. And then once you're married and you have kids in a house and all that, that's when the unsolicited advice happens, okay? That's when people go, oh, I see that you have kids, and they just naturally want to be your counselor. I don't know why, but they do. They say, oh, we have kids. Well, this is how you potty train them. This is how you get them to sleep. This is how long you breastfeed them. It's that simple. No, it's not that simple. Your simple little formulas might have worked for your kids. I doubt it. They're probably in therapy spending thousands of dollars right now. But they might not work for my kids. You don't even know my kids. You don't even know me. And after all, most of us that have had more than one kid, we don't even parent each kid exactly the same, do you? You just don't. Parenting is not that simple. It's foolish to think it is. Or how about this, business? You'll come across some bosses that will say this. Well, this is how we do business in this company. This is how we do it because this is how we've always done it. It's that simple. No, it's not. Times are changing and there's a lot of questions you're probably not considering. Like, is our product even relevant? Is it good? Is it good for the environment? Are our employees happy? Business, and you business owners don't know this, is just not that simple anymore. Here's one of my favorites, the Bible. This happens to me all the time because people find out I'm a pastor, even though I don't announce that. They find out I'm a pastor and they tell me, oh, the Bible. The Bible, it's just so simple, isn't it? I mean, God just dictated it word for word to people, right? Right? That's what he did. And it's black and white, right? Wrong, okay? The Bible was written, it's a library of 66 books written over thousands of years by various authors in several different languages. It's far from simple. I have studied the Bible. I've read it every day of my life for over 40 years, dedicated my life to being in the Bible, and it's full of weirdness and mystery. There are still, after reading the Bible for over 40 years, there's still some verses I read, and I get done reading them, and I think, How'd that get in there? Why is that even in the Bible? I wish that wasn't even in the Bible. There are whole books that I think, I wish that wasn't in the Bible, okay? And there's still some verses that I've read hundreds, literally hundreds of times, and I still read them to this day and think, yeah, I don't know what that means at all. And then I look it up on commentaries, and the commentaries quite eloquently say, yeah, I don't know either. (laughs) And nobody does. So the Bible is not simple. It's foolish to think it is. And then here's a good one. You can relate to this. Advice. Some people, the simple, give simple advice. When I was in college, I was massively struggling with depression. It was heroic for me to even get out of bed some days. I flunked one of the easiest classes I ever took. Fish, a natural resource. I I flunked that class because I couldn't get out of bed in the morning to even attend it. It was a 7.30 class. What an ungodly hour to have a class, okay? But I flunked it and because I was so depressed. And I finally got up the courage to admit the depression I was going through to a prominent leader in a church I was attending. And I'll never forget what they said to me. After I pour out my soul to them, struggling that I can't even get out of bed, I'm just barely making it, I'm flunking out of school, and they replied to me, just live. That was their advice to me. Just live. Like, forget about your depression and just live. 
Oh, gee, thanks, you. Oh, gee, thanks. I won't even say what I said next. Oh, gee, thanks, because I never thought of that. Oh, please, are you kidding me? When you come across a person struggling with depression, don't tell them, just live or cheer up. (laughs) Cheer up. Don't say that, okay? If you come across a person struggling with anxiety like myself or Terry or Lori, don't say to them, oh, my gosh, you're struggling with anxiety? Well, calm down. Calm down. Or don't worry. Be happy. Don't say those kind of things. It's not that simple. The only simple thing is you're being a jerk when you say stuff like that. That's incredibly simple, all right? These are just a few of the problems that occur when we get on the pathway of the simple. It's interesting to me that the Hebrew word for simple means seducible. That's what happens when we're foolish, when we're being rash. We are easily being seduced into living and thinking and acting in ways that are destructive to us. We rush into situations that don't work very well for us. All of us have done this. All of us have done foolish or rash things that we've ended up regretting. And I want to tell you today, take a number. When you read through the Bible, one of the things you'll realize is the Bible is full of people that have brain burped their way onto the pathway of simplicity and have done foolish and rash things that have filled their life with regret. Think of David, of David and Goliath fame. He looked at this woman taking a bath, decided to have an affair with her, and then arranged for her husband to be killed. Come on, David. That is just foolish. And then there's Bathsheba, the one that he saw taking a bath, bath, Bathsheba, that kind of thing. It's ironic. And she took a bath on a rooftop without a cover. You're not thinking that through Bathsheba. That's foolish. And then Noah, he's my favorite, okay? Noah of Noah and the Ark fame. The flood's over. The boat is grounded on a beach. And there's this brand new life he's starting. What's one of the first things he does? He gets all drunk and naked in a cave and his kids find him and they have to back into the cave because they don't want to see their parents naked because who wants that? And they cover him up. That is foolish. That is him being simple. We've all been foolish, but the good news is we don't have to stay on that path. And that's where prudence comes in. Let me talk about prudence. You know, we don't use that word very much, prudence. It even sounds funny. Prudence? I don't know. It sounds old-fashioned and outdated to me. I mean, when's the last time someone complimented you and said, oh, that's fantastic. You were so prudent in that situation. I wouldn't even know how to respond to that if somebody called me prudent, okay? The word has negative connotations because usually when we hear the word prudence, we think of the word prude. And a prude is someone who answers every question with, I ain't going to do it. And it doesn't matter what it is. They're just not going to do it, okay? And oftentimes, people who think of themselves as being prudent are actually just legalistic, holier-than-thou prudes. They might as well announce it to the whole world. I'm not a fun person, and I secretly judge everybody who is, and I worship a God whose only word is no, okay? That's what prudes do. It's a shame that we think of prudence in negative connotations because it's not The word prudence in the Bible means to see subtlety and nuance. In Latin, it means to foresee. So the prudent are the ones who see the subtleties and complexities in life, and they don't rush into things, but instead they move through life carefully and incredibly thoughtfully. Look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 4 again. Look what this says. And this is Lady Wisdom talking, okay? And she says to us, 
I'm giving you wisdom because wisdom is for giving prudence to the simple. Remember, wisdom is personified as a woman, Lady Wisdom, in the book of Proverbs. And she's saying in these words, I want to give you prudence. I ache for you to have it. And when you read all the verses about prudence in the book of Proverbs, you can see why. Look what happens in the life of the prudent people. Chapter 12 says prudence helps people overlook an insult. Who doesn't need that ability? All of us have had situations where someone insults us and we just instantly respond by ripping them to shreds verbally. And as the words are going out of our mouths, we're thinking, oh no, I want those back in. We're trying to pull them back in and we can't because we know it's going to devastate that person. Prudence keeps us from doing that. Chapter 15 says prudence enables a person to receive correction. Prudent people are teachable. That's such a wonderful trait. When you're looking to hire an employee, always look to hire prudent people because you can correct them. Chapter 27 says the prudent see danger and take refuge. Prudence is great at pain avoidance. I mean, wisdom is one thing. Wisdom is great. But prudence is actually the ability to slow down your life enough so you can actually act on the wisdom that you have. For these reasons and many others, it's easy to see that prudence is a gift. The simple, the foolish, they're like lemmings that are just launching themselves off a cliff. The prudent people are the ones that run up to the edge of the cliff and go, this is high. I don't want to jump off this. The water looks cold, and those lemmings down there aren't moving. Maybe we should think this through. There's got to be a better way down to the beach. That's who the prudent are in life. Prudent people make great friends because they keep you away from calamity. I love some of my friends because they're so prudent. I can run things by them, and they make me rethink it and think it through. I told most of you that several years ago, before I was a head pastor, I was still a youth pastor, and I was living alone in a house um, on Lorraine Highway, and I was um, fixing my Christmas lights because I had one of those old-fashioned strands that when one bulb goes out, the whole thing goes out. What a horrible invention that was. And I was standing on a metal ladder in a rainstorm, and one of the bulbs broke, and when I tried to twist it out, it it broke, it shattered in my hand, so there's just broken glass and bare wires there. And I thought, ah, oh, I don't want to unplug it, it's all the way on the other side of the house, I'm here. So I just reached up to bite it, because I thought, I'll just pull it out with my teeth, right? <laughs> yeah, showing a lot of wisdom there. And my tongue made contact with the bare wires, and the next thing I know, I'm, I'm laying on my back in the yard. It shot me, blasted me right off the, off the ladder. I don't recommend it, it was not a pleasant experience. I could have used a prudent friend going, Tim, metal, water, bare wires, broken glass. Let's think this through. Possibly we should unplug the wire and get some pliers, okay? I remember talking, and the howlers will remember this too, I remember talking to this one middle school kid that showed up at my youth group one day, and they had some scratches and a scar on their body. And I said, how do you get that scar? And they, they said, well, it was a while ago, but... I needed a shower, my cat was dirty, I decided to combine both of those things, and I took a shower with my cat. And I go, oh, and now you have a scar. I mean, it was awful. And then there's my favorite, a guy recently um, got his house toilet papered by some pranksters, and the toilet paper was streamed all over these huge trees and hanging it down. And without thinking, he went up and thought, well, I'll just burn them off. I'll just burn those strands off. Oh my gosh, okay. 
We need prudent friends to come alongside of us in these moments and to help us from not stepping in to calamity, which is why in the book of James it says this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And that's the Apostle James saying, proceed through your life with the gift of prudence. And please know this, when you ask for when you ask Lady Wisdom, please give me prudence, lead me into prudence, she will get you there. You will become a prudent person. But when you do, let me warn you, people will become incredibly impatient with you. People that hang out with your friends, family members, and just acquaintances will be impatient with you because you won't rush into situations and decisions. And they're going, what's taking you so long? Come on, let's do this thing. Let's make this decision. Let's sign this contract. Why are you dragging your feet? You're dragging your feet because you're prudent. That's prudence coming into your life. You're thinking things through. And it's okay. Let them be frustrated with you because history tells us that the simple start wars. The prudence prevent them. That the simple are crowned with folly. The prudent are crowned with knowledge. The simple step into calamity. The prudent step around it. So let them be frustrated with you because the people that are impatient with you now will later on in life thank you for saving their bacon. So be prudent, even if it means people being frustrated with you. Let's move on now to the oxen. Check out this verse. Wow, this is a cool verse in the Bible. Where there are no oxen, the manger is empty. But from the strength of an ox comes abundant harvest. I want to talk about messes. I am not a messy person. I try not to judge messy people, but I, I do. Okay, because I just don't get it. Honestly, I just don't get it. It's 2019. We've invented garbage cans and recycle bins and disinfectant wipes and toilet cleaner and stuff like this. Wonderful, wonderful inventions. I don't know why anybody would choose to live in their own clutter and breed mold and filth. I just, I don't get it. You can tell I'm a little judgy. Okay, now I, I just don't get it. I'm just not a fan of mess. And it's because of how I'm wired. I like things nice and neat and tidy, even my schedule, okay? Routines are good. Daylight savings time, snow days, they're bad, so very bad, so very bad. Because they mess with my routines, they mess with my rhythm. I can't clap on beat. If you're looking at me to find out when to clap during a song, you are screwed because I can't do it, okay? I have to watch somebody on stage clap and then I can follow them. I can't clap on beat, but I live on beat. I live in certain rhythms and I don't like when they're messed. So when messes come into my life in the form of dirty dishes or disruptions, I struggle. I really do. But this verse has helped me so much over the years. It's helped me to embrace my chaos and mess. And let me explain. Oxen are messy. I have a picture of an oxen right here, in case you've never seen one. Is that manure on that oxen, or is it dirt? We don't know, and the oxen doesn't care, okay? Because oxen are messy. This is why there's no therapy oxen, all right? When this verse was written, though, way back when, thousands of years ago, oxen represented life. Because the oxen plowed the field which grew the crops which fed your family. A farmer back then could have chosen a very sterile, neat, clean environment with no oxen, but that would have meant no food. 
Sometimes we have to face it. Our lives are a mess. Our lives are a stack of bills, messy houses, messy rooms, messy lives, messy schedules, stress everywhere. It's just a mess, and we start to freak out, but God doesn't, which is good, okay? God seems to be very comfortable with mess. In fact, in Genesis 1, it says he created the, he created the whole universe out of tohu vavohu, which means chaos, which is just a fancy word for mess. He created the world out of mess, and when it was all just a mess and a state of chaos, he was comfortable with it. It says the Spirit of God hovered over the chaos. God just hung out in the mess for a while, and then Jesus was born in a barn. It was messy. He was hung on a cross, messy. He's totally in love with all of us imperfect people. That is messy, okay? And he often, and I underline often, messes with our lives. He does, okay? You've got everything figured out and planned out, and God comes along and sticks a spoke in your plans and makes a mess of it. Let me give you an example of how he messes with your lives. You're a happy couple. Things are great. You're a dink which means dual income, no kids. Everything's just tidy and and wonderful. And then suddenly, you're pregnant and a baby is born. And unbeknownst to you, because kind of out of the blue almost, it's shocking how fast it comes, a tiny human is cohabitating with you, which means you're nice, needy, tight. I mean, you're not all tongue twisted there. Your nice, tidy, neat life is far from it. It's a pile of diapers and spit up and Legos and runny noises and noise. There's just lots of noise. It's a mess. Or how about your schedule? If you're like me, you plan out your week's schedule ahead of time, and it's glorious on Sunday night to look out at my week's schedule and go, I've got it all lined up. I've got it all planned out. It's all locked in. And then, sure enough, Monday morning, God places a person on your heart or in your path, and you know you're supposed to drop everything and hang out with them and talk to them and listen to them and cry with them, which is great, but it messes with your schedule. Your schedule is now like a deck of cards that got dropped on the floor, and you got to rearrange everything. Or how about the faith department? Your faith is nice and neat and tidy and predictable, just how you like it. You know what you believe because you've always believed that. It's so predictable, so wonderful. And then you meet a new person or you have a new experience, or you travel to a new place, or you read a new book, or you learn something new, and suddenly your faith is stretched, and stretch isn't even a good word for it. Suddenly your faith is toppled like a, a pile of Jenga, you know, cubes over the top of a table, because everything is not nice and neat and tidy anymore, okay? You have to start over because God got out of the small little box that you'd had him locked in. How dare he do that, okay? And now your old methods of understanding God and understanding life and understanding your future don't work anymore, and you have to start over. Your faith is a mess. It's still there, but it's a mess. It's in like the remodel state. God is okay with all of these scenarios. The mess doesn't bother him, which is kind of annoying to me, okay, because of how I'm wired. I'm like, God, I'm a little annoyed with you right now, but comforted at the same time that you're not freaking out. This verse about the oxen is telling us something so important, though. It's saying, don't 
deny the disruptions in your life. Don't resent the mess because the mess means there's life happening. Life is happening to you in all of its gore and glory and unpredictability and chaos. Say this to yourself. When your life is completely chaotic, say this. I actually have to repeat this phrase to myself over and over again. God is in the mess. I tell myself that all the time. Look at my house right now. God is in the mess. Look at my schedule. God is in the mess. There's life in the mess. And it is so helpful. And I actually think of this verse. Oh, if there were no oxen, yeah, it'd be clean. But there'd be no food. There'd be no life. God is in the mess. And then like I've told you before, and I'll remind you again, at that moment, the next best thing that helps after reminding yourself that God is in the mess is to vacuum. Go vacuum, even like a little four foot by four foot square. Just vacuum it on up and then look at it and go, everything's a mess in my life except that. So I'm just going to Oh, I'm standing here for a moment in this clean, nice, neat, tidy thing until your dog comes and poops on it or your kid spills a drink on it. Then the whole cycle starts all over again and you have to go, God is in the mess and you get the vacuum out again, whatever, as long as it takes, okay? I kind of digress there. Can we pray right now?